0: All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 558. It's me and Jason today, and we are going to dip our toe back in some of Dr. Coleman's work, but more broadly, what's going on in the world. It does appear like we're coming to a climax pretty quickly here. The people that I know that are in rings and places that I would never have anything to do with are claiming that we're going to see a lot of change in 2024. And that we're going to see some really crazy things happen by 2025, which remains to be seen. Uh, I'm not biting the hook. I want to see before I just start accepting all these claims. But I mean, Jason, what would you say? We've been told a number of things, and some of them have been pretty much on the money. Not all of them.
1: They have been. As to whether or not they're going to pull it off is another story, though. They definitely had setbacks way back when it's pretty likely they wanted to get things done by 2000. But that's not what happened. Then we start hearing about Agenda 21. Then it gets pushed to Agenda 2030. So I think they seem to have
0: some kind of roadblocks in the way. The world's a big place, isn't it? And then what's that old saying, the best laid plans of mice and men? And I think about that all the time. Like, really? There's no way in hell you're going to get your arms around a thing so big. But when you begin to see how it gets piecemealed and it's like that old game risk, you know, once they own a little place, they hold on to it and they keep marching forward. Interestingly enough, there were a lot of people that were pushing that 2000 was the big era shift. The people who I think are a lot closer to the money make the claim that 2012 was. It's clear that something happened in 2012. Of that, I have little to no doubt. But you and I are about to interview a gentleman who was raised culturally in the Indian Hindu traditions, and I believe he's going to go against what Sri Yukteswar said about the age change and the end of the Kali Yuga, and I think he's going to timestamp it at 2025. Whatever the case, we know we're at a doorstep. Whether or not we've walked through it remains to be shown, but I think it's pretty clear at this point. Uh, The world is changing, and we are not going back to the things we were used to.
1: So what we're going to discuss here is pulled from Dr. Coleman's work, and it's about the one-world
0: government, as he liked to call it. Most of Coleman's work, uh, I trust, and I think that it can be scrutinized. But the big thing is that a lot of it has already happened. So he must have been writing this in the 80s, gets published, I think, 91, 92. Is that right, Jason? Something like that. In
1: the 90s, yeah.
0: Yeah, so in the early 90s and just by dint of having been alive, we can look backwards at many of the claims he was making and see that, yeah, it happened or very similar to what he described happens. Anyhow, let's jump into the old beat up tagline, New World Order. The New World Order is not new. It has been
1: around and developing under one or another guise for a very long time, but it is perceived as a development of the future which is not the case. The New World Order is past and present. That is why Dr. Coleman says that the term one world government is, or ought to be, preferred.
0: You know, I would mention, Jason, if you look at the work of Dr. Coleman, particularly the Committee of 300, which is what we're drawing on here and what we drew on a couple times for other episodes, and you match it up to the work of James Shelby Downard, Or for that matter, uh, what was the name? I'm so terrible at names, Jason. What's the name of the man who just died, who was big on the banking language and all that? Banks hold a river. You know, you get charged. Jordan Maxwell. Jordan Maxwell. If you look at the things that Jordan Maxwell was bringing to the table, look at the things that James Shelby Downer was bringing to the table and Dr. Coleman. I mean, a picture emerges that is really you can't really deny it now at what level and at what speed it's going to get here can be. But if you even just look at the language and the similarities between something as mundane as the Lincoln assassination and the Kennedy assassination, how in the hell do you walk away not realizing that this was a planned skit? Now, for the JFK side of the house, I say to this day, you have not one shred of evidence that anyone was assassinated in Dealey Plaza. Whatever became of him became of him. Maybe he was murdered. I don't know. But what we were shown is bogus. And it used to be commonplace bogus when YouTube was very young. Very, very intelligent people took apart the Zapruder film and just shredded it. There was nothing left when they got done. But if you look at all the parallels, it's pretty clear that whatever happened to Kennedy was written as a skit that mirrors almost in reverse what happened to Lincoln. The point I'm making is there is absolutely a skit going on here. What are the goals of the secret elite group? The inheritors
1: of Illuminism, the cult of Dionysus, the cult of Isis, Catharism, Bogomalism? This elite group that also calls itself the Olympians They truly believe they're equal in power and stature to the legendary gods of Olympus who have, like Lucifer, their god, set themselves upon our true god, absolutely believe they have been charged with implementing
0: the following points that we will be going into by divine right. Whatever you want to claim in this world, what was just stated here about them thinking of themselves as Olympian is nonsense if you're an Olympian, you don't need to lie. You don't need to hide. You don't need to make up false things to push your agenda forward. And I'll say it again, the day they can go make a fish or a tree from scratch, that would be something that would start to, in my mind, make them godlike. They're not godlike. What they are is people with a lot of power, and they have carefully implemented systems, particularly monetary systems, and slowly but surely bought up or came in control of all the corporations that matter in our world. And I doubt anyone listening would argue, who has more sway in our world right now, governments or corporations? Uh, And there it is. It's all sly, hidden maneuvering. And that does not, to me, equate to godlike power.
1: Well, it's interesting if they're considering themselves to be like the Olympians, that might be pretty appropriate because the Olympians behaved very human, were extremely fallible, and quite often
0: acted like selfish jackasses. Well, when you put it that way, that's a very valid point. And you could also say uh, the gods and those myths did have the ability to control what was going on down here. And I think it's pretty clear that these people do too. So when you rearrange it to come at it in that no-nonsense direction, there is an undeniable parallel. Dr. Coleman says that many
1: of these goals, which he had first enumerated in 1969, have since been achieved or are well on their way to being achieved as of this writing in 1991. Of special interest in the Committee of 300 program, is the core of their economic policy, which is largely based on the teachings of Malthus, the son of an English country parson who was pushed to prominence by the British East India Company, upon which the Committee of 300 is modeled.
0: Man, who would have ever known back in the day, I'm wondering, I mean, if you point at one thing that changed the world more than anything, Wouldn't the British East India Company have to be like at the top of that list, Jason? Yeah,
1: I would say so. It was the first mega corporation and they behaved like it too.
0: They were the first pirates and then they legalized things that were illegal and then they used force and might of arms and armies to enforce that they could do illegal things like push opium and dope, but other people could not, you know, I used to consider Uh, Think of Britain, that tiny little place, how much of the world has been affected. But really, if you want to get right down to the bone, you're coming to the British East India Company as really the starting point and maybe the model for everything that followed.
1: So now we're going to start getting into the points of a one world government system and break down. Have these things actually been going on? I think, unfortunately, too many of them have been. So the first one. A one world government, new world order with a unified church and monetary system under their direction is what they will be setting up. Not many people are aware that the one world government began setting up its church in the 1920s, 1930s, for they realized the need for a religious belief inherent in mankind to have an outlet and therefore set up a church body to channel that belief in the direction that they desired.
0: This is one of the biggest things uh, that has accelerated recently, the wholesale attempt to destroy what the, I don't want to say the Catholic church, I guess I want to say Christianity in general, the way that fame and famous people and music have slowly but surely chipped away at the Christian faith as a whole. Um, And it's been very effective. Uh, I think it was 10 years ago when you and I were doing a show when I had just read that the Church of England was down to 1% membership of what it once was or something like that. And this is really the scary part, because when you get to a point where you have ripped down the spiritual beliefs of nations, that's a hell of a thing.
1: Well, it's interesting that Christianity seems to be the big thing that's standing in their way. And while they have managed to really take chunks out of it in the United States and possibly some of the other Western countries, if you look at Central America, South America, some of the Asian countries, they are still very, very firm
0: in their Christian beliefs. That's a good point. When we looked at the Daniel Estelin work, when I was trying to demonstrate that world population had been declining since at least the 70s, you and I discovered that some of the populations that were not falling were exactly what you just said, and almost all of them were Catholic. Not all, but the South American, uh, typically Hispanic uh, in one way or another, typically families that have like five children, that was growing. But look at what their version of Christianity is Catholicism. And you can see anytime you want to take a look, the things that they say are okay now that in the 60s, no way could they have ever said anything was okay that they're saying is okay now. And I'm not going to get into specifics. I think people know what I'm talking about. That's not the main point. The main point is what is acceptable, what is spiritually okay, that goalpost has moved so far as to be a 180 from what it once was.
1: The important thing to note here is that despite what the Catholic Church may or may not be doing, these people are usually very firm in their beliefs, and I would say overall they do try to be very good people, and the bad guys can't have that now, can they?
0: That's a good point. Now, this is why I don't participate in the bashing of any spiritual tradition, because within any spiritual tradition, you will find truly spiritual individuals that are important, super important. They're high up the spiritual path, and that is the point, and what's happening now is that like what was it Uh, just the other day i saw a thing madonna did where they they had all these christian crosses they had two guys in like SM outfits and i guess she was playing the whore of babylon i have no idea and you can see that imagery being chipped and pulled and you know just morphed into something that it never was and whether or not it affects everybody is not the point the point is there was a time where if you put imagery up like that The world would have, you know, there'd have been hell to pay. And now it's just so commonplace. And the kind of Satanistic and Luciferian elements that have come into the lesser lights, because that's what stars are, it's shocking at times. I've seen footage of things going on at rap concerts that make your skin crawl. Well, Madonna, even though she's quite a lot older now, could still be considered
1: pop music. And she certainly was over the last few decades. The crap that they'll shove into her imagery is very, very, very different than what you would see way back when. Like, Picture the Beatles having that kind of imagery shoved into their stuff during their heyday in the 60s. That would never have flown. So you can see just how different things are now and what they think they could get away with.
0: It's a good point. Few people remember that when the Beatles were here early sometime in the 60s, I don't remember exactly when it was I assume it might have been the time that they were on Ed Sullivan but I'm not sure I think it was John Lennon said something to the effect that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus Christ there was hell to pay in this country to the point where there were big gatherings of people burning and destroying their music and that is the difference that's a pretty offhand comment compared to the visual stuff that is regularly put on mainstream media now
1: and that was even taken out of context and people still, ran with it and got very, very upset. A lot of people got very angry at them. It didn't really diminish their popularity, but the whole point is it goes to show where the country's mindset, at least in certain areas, was at the time compared to how things are now when you have someone like Lady Gaga prancing around doing
0: blatant mystery Babylon school stuff right in front of your face. A lot of the young people's music now, which is usually some version of what I consider rap, though I am not hip and not in touch, uh, borders on demonic. And it's it's truly a shame because all I can think of is what if I was 18 years old and faced with that? How would I have fared? I don't know. I can't answer that question. But uh, these young people have a hell of a lot to contend with. And that goes right into the second point, which is
1: the utter destruction of all national identity and national pride. And what do I mean by that? Well, not everybody, but a large amount of people were very, very Christian early on in this country's founding and
0: for a very long time after that. In almost any country that you look at, there is a major spiritual tradition which is part and parcel of the forming of the society, the laws, the rules, everything. And that was true here at one point, and a lot of it's been dismantled at this point.
1: The third point, the destruction of religion, and more especially the Christian religion, with the one exception, their own creation mentioned above.
0: And you can see vestiges of this. What was it, Jason? I think it was the VMA Awards, maybe 2017, I'm just guessing. And they had put up the imagery of a big goat. And that was maybe the first time that I heard uh, the phrase greatest of all time, which is goat run out into a branding phrase. And in it, they had a big golden goat head, uh, the golden popcorn, and it was like open season to the fullest. And the first time that I had ever seen it, just the veil is down now. They don't give a damn. And the speed at which that has come forward is, it's truly astounding.
1: So pretty much the 90s and into the 2000s, we started seeing the pop culture icons just using dark imagery all over the place. It was starting to be very acceptable for them to do it and get away with it. And here's the thing that a lot of folks forget. They don't give a crap about you if you're an adult. They're out to get the kids and get them acclimated to new ideas. And of course, to them, seeing that stuff, it doesn't mean very much. But the imagery is still there and the intent is still there. And that is what the young people
0: are accepting as normal. That's a fact. And they have a huge Achilles heel because when I was young, this was not a content-driven world. Now this is a content-driven world. And all of what Jason just cited is nicely packaged and delivered as content. And it has become so meaningless that even the platforms that carry this kind of fallen, dark content are just doing it in snippets and bites. now. Reminds me of when Twitter first came. You can't express a full idea, and this has an effect on how long people can pay attention to things or are willing to. It's gotten to the point where you'll see studies done where they'll look at young people and try to discover how many of them are reading a book. Now, these are people who came up and their young culture was used to Twitter, to TikTok, which is a short snippet of videos, and the attention spans and the ability of young people to concentrate on detailed ideas has diminished and reading books that's i mean if things keep on that's going the way of the dodo bird
1: the past generations weren't ready for that kind of stuff now the technology wasn't there either but it took a while to whittle away at how things were and change people enough so that the things we have today are perfectly acceptable things like tiktok and x formerly twitter All these things that the young people obsess over, I don't know if that was plopped down in front of kids in the 80s or maybe even the 90s. I don't know if it would fly because there was still an attachment to other things. So again, it seems like this is the slow progression to pull them away from the more natural things, the things that we did as young folks to just have
0: your head permanently buried in a screen. Well, this is the insidiously, carefully crafted nature of what's going on. How many parents commiserate, when I was a kid, I went outside and played, and my kid doesn't go outside and play. Well, take that a step further. Where do we find truth in the world? We find it in the creation. Where do we connect to that and become a part of that by going out into the creation and learning and interacting outside in something that a man or a woman did not create? And that's been diminished, horribly diminished, to the point where parents are, a lot of them, of a mind where they won't even let their kids out because they're so afraid something will happen to them. I think they used to call them helicopter parents. But that severing of young, developing lives from the only place we can find truth, that has an effect. Point four
1: is the control of each and every person through means of mind control And what Zbigniew Brzezinski called technotronics, which would create human like robots in a system of terror, beside which Felix Dzerzinski's red terror will look like children at
0: play. These are some truly terrifying ideas. And isn't it interesting that as we've gotten into the age of AI, does anyone listening suppose that there are actually, I don't know, let's just call them rope, let's call them androids? That's Maybe that's a better word. Do you suppose that there are androids somewhere in this world that function not too far off what maybe C3PO was about, where you could talk to it, it could serve you lunch, do things like, do you suppose that's possible yet? I would estimate that I bet it is. And yet we don't see that it is being so carefully and slowly rolled out. It's like the frog in boiling water, I think, Jason, where they're slowly, slowly, slowly flipping the switch to everything is now man-made that matters in our world.
1: I just saw a video, I don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, but it was from China and it was a server robot. It looked like a Chinese woman, a young Chinese woman. It was extremely slow and jerky, but it was capable of walking across the room And it joined a group of gentlemen sitting at a table for a drink. And it picked up the glass and drank half of it and put it back on the table while they all did a cheers together with their drinks. I'd say the technology is getting there. Now, could it do a whole heck of a lot? That I don't know. But the way its movements were, I doubt it was that effective yet. But it doesn't matter right now because the whole point
0: is that they're getting people used to the idea of robots walking around in public. See, I take maybe a slightly different view of that. To me what that feels like is they're trying to get you emotionally invested. Like, well, that's not quite there and I hope they can fix that. It gets the the human mind rooting for it in a way. As robots first became a thing, do you remember when it was like, well, what we, should we make them look like? You know, what's the least disturbing You know, so we're making this thing that we have to try to make the least disturbing we can, but come up to the modern day, Jason, to reframe what you just said. Have you seen, I think it's Boston robots. Maybe that's the name of the joint. Have you seen what some of those military industrial bots can already do? It makes the idea of a jerky Chinese female serving bot look to me about the same way that I view Hollywood makeup. They rolled it back on purpose so that we wouldn't commonly comprehend at what level it could actually be done. That's kind of the way I feel about it. Well, those
1: robots are just plain horrific. They've got some that can run around and shoot guns. It's like, oh, you gave it a gun, you fools. And then there's the ones that look kind of like dogs almost like and the way they're constructed and shaped and the way they function. And yeah, those are quite functional
0: in a very scary way. Well, it wasn't too long ago, if I had to guess, maybe three or four years where they were doing these national things like, oh, can we get a car to drive without a person in it? Maybe five or six years ago. Oh, look, let's have the National Robot Championship where all the young brightest minds try to get a robot to go through our obstacle course. It has to open a door. That's one of the tricky things. Do you know how difficult it actually is to grab a door handle you know, and and all these ideas they're putting forward, then it has to go upstairs and they show it and they all fail. They're falling down the stairs. The big thing becomes in some of these things that I was watching, can they get back up after they fall? To me, this is all a veil. So they're rolling out what the college kids can produce as the best and the brightest. But in my mind, behind the scenes, they've been 50 years beyond that for Lord knows how long. And the reason I feel that way is because if you scrutinize what I think it's Boston Robotics is putting in front of us, a shaky server bot, uh, that's laughable. I mean, come on. They're already way, way, way beyond this.
1: Point five, an end to all industrialization and the production of nuclear-generated electric power in what they call the post-industrial zero-growth society. Exempted are the computer and service industries. United States industries that remain will be exported to countries such as Mexico, where abundant slave labor is available. Unemployables in the wake of industrial destruction will either become opium heroin and or cocaine addicts or become statistics in the elimination process we know today today As Global 2000.
0: That's just creepy the way dark minds can plan at such a high level. It's insidious to the point where statistically you've got to wonder, could the best and the brightest and the most common sense and intelligent among us remain free of this kind of planning?
1: I'm pretty sure we could say that this has already been going on. Starting in the 70s, we know that they started stripping out all of the industry from the United States and shipping it elsewhere. There are plenty of major companies that started off as American who have very little in the United States left as far as production. They have indeed moved it to places like Mexico and, of course, a lot of the Asian countries. This has gone on, and I don't know how bad it was when Coleman was writing this in the late 80s and into the early 90s, but as far as the decades since then... How much is still left in the United States? Not a whole heck of a
0: lot. We used to be self-sufficient and we don't make much of anything anymore. Everybody knows that's true. And the big example is Detroit. Detroit was once considered the heartbeat of America because of the car and steel industry. And it was commonly said when I was young, what is good for Detroit is good for America. Well, the 80s got here and look, it took them like no time at all to dismantle it. What happened? Some fat guy whose allegiances are questionable made a movie commiserating and chased the CEO of one of the companies, uh, you know, Roger, trying to ask, what the hell did you do here? But look at the other side of what he's talking about all that time ago. He knew the plan because how could he have known where the drug thing was going to go? So in the sixties began the normalization and introduction of drugs. Well, this has worked a dream because now so much of the real drug addiction problem is from your local doctor. It's issued. You go to a store called a CVS or a Walgreens or a pharmacy to get the drug that has you addicted. And some of the side effects that show the intent of how it was done are shameful. As an example, I was told I was talking to someone who was an expert in addiction, and they told me, and I am not an expert in addiction in the medical way of how you get people off it. But what he told me was someone who's like on heroin can, you know, everyone knows getting off that is a nightmare of nightmares. But what they put you on, he told me, is much, much, much more difficult to get off. So they take you off the heroin, put you on medically produced. Uh, what is it, methadone or something like this. And he said, it's, you know, a thousand times more difficult to get off the methadone. And then he pointed out to me a thing that I have seen firsthand now with regard to the pain medications. They did the same thing. They took drugs that were difficult to get off, and they have slowly replaced them with things that are a little more like the methadone, these drugs where you put it under your tongue and it melts instantly. These things are supposedly, and I'm not a doctor or an expert, but I am told many, many, many times more difficult to get off to the point where he was saying it is a extremely low percentage of people who can get themselves without help off it. If that doesn't scream intent and underscore the accuracy of what Coleman put down, I mean, I don't know what would. Well, he's certainly not wrong about so many
1: people becoming addicted to drugs. And while there's always been a homeless problem to some degree or another, the way it is today, all you got to do is look at major cities, especially places like San Francisco, and look at how horrible, absolutely horrible it is to the point that the cities practically unlivable in certain areas and pretty much is unlivable. You go there, you're definitely putting your life at risk. And a lot of it has to do, of course, with drug addiction. And wow, man, I just can't believe we've allowed it to get this far.
0: When I was growing up, one of the people I grew up with and kind of separated away from as we went into high school, because I was a bit older, I bumped into him years later. He had become a DEA agent. We were very good friends in grade school, And he was telling me the story of how crack cocaine got into the hood of LA and places like Compton. It was intentionally done. And so now when we see all these, you know, when you go to these places where there are so many homeless, a lot of those people are educated and had professional jobs and got caught in the housing trap or or one way or another, they ended up where they did. But have the drugs been intentionally introduced on the backside of that? When you read what Coleman's writing, I don't know how anyone doesn't consider that that may be exactly what's going on.
1: Well, Coleman knew how the game was played because the British East India Company did it to China, and then they just rinsed and repeated over and over and over again, up to the modern day. The people who are behind these things are bringing a lot of the drugs in, probably most of the drugs in. So they want it here.
0: And that's that. There's actually a letter. From one of the emperor's rulers or a regent of China uh, when Britain was drugging out their uh, society with opium. And he basically writes a letter, I think it was to the queen, that says, What's going on here? This is shameful. You can't possibly be intentionally doing this. And it was like this reasonable letter that was written. And the response was, They just laughed in his face. They didn't change a thing. And they continued to forcibly push opium into their culture. Successfully drugging out, Lord knows how many people.
1: And now the descendants of the British East India Company, as Dr. Coleman likes to say, are just doing the same thing today with heroin, cocaine. I guess you could say marijuana, although that's a very different kind of thing. But people can and will waste their lives away just being potheads too, even if it's not as hideously destructive as crack or something else. So... These drugs are minimally a huge distraction that can overtake your life. Or if it doesn't outright kill you, you become one of the walking dead wandering the streets.
0: The uh, old tricks are the best tricks. And we now see completely, I would estimate, as a just-educated guess, that the lion's share of opiates come from pharmaceutical laboratories. I would be willing to bet The opiate addiction from painkillers that were issued through a doctor trump, by a long shot, any kind of heroin or something else that might be on the street. That is just a guess on my part. But again, the old tricks are the best tricks. And it's scary now because the chemical compounds are being messed with. So they don't even need the poppies or the source of opium anymore. They synthesize it in a lab.
1: And that's the other side of it, of course, is the massive pharmaceutical industry that has been allowed to blossom. And while they did try and clamp down on a lot of the painkillers they let get out of control, the whole point is they still let it get out of control for quite some time. And they like having customers for life. So, yeah, they're going to get you on drugs and they're going to keep you on those drugs because they're going to make a lot of money off of you.
0: Yeah, to me, it's almost like the money is not even really the ancillary goal and the reason why they've been allowed to do so well. It's those side effects, those lives that are lost, those lives that become miserable, chasing the dragon's tail, as it's known. And I think that's underscored by the fact that they continually introduce drugs that are much more difficult to free yourself from. Uh, this has been going on for quite some time, and what's interesting is there are things like ibogaine, the plant commonly called iboga, which seem to be an absolute answer to the majority of this problem. And again, that is not allowed to foster, and it is not that well known. And now that there are even places you can go to get it, uh, not everyone can afford whatever it is five, ten thousand dollars for, you know, three, four days of treatment to walk away basically cured. It's a hell of a thing.
1: And that leads us into the next point, point six, which is legalization of drugs as well as pornography. So that's a big, big, big deal.
0: Where do we even start with that? In the history of this country, the idea that drugs and pornography would be mainstreamed and legal, uh, people wouldn't have believed it in the 60s. Drugs, for the most part, are legal. As we pointed out, you go to a store to get your drug fixed. Marijuana, when I was a kid, you got jailed for marijuana. That's not the case anymore. And pornography, I mean, come on, in every single home in this nation where there is a computer or a cell phone, there will be 80 or 90% chance that pornography has been accessed regularly. Maybe it's not legalization, but it might as well be.
1: Well, pornography in years gone by would have been in very self-contained small areas and you would have to go to seek it out. Then we started with the advent of things like Playboy magazine and later Hustler. But still, you had to go out of your way to get that. Now, with the proliferation of the internet, we have pornography at everyone's fingertips. And how
0: bad for a person's psyche is that? It's as bad, if not worse than drugs in the way that young people used to become sexually aware is out the window now. And it's a bit like a drug on its own and it has its own addiction problem. I remember when I was young, the big thing was, well, are we going to allow 7-Eleven to put Playboy behind the counter? Well, that argument kept going, and then pretty soon it was, well, are we going to let that 7-Eleven put Hustler behind the counter? And then it went on and on, and then the argument became, you know, we should probably make them put a brown wrapper around it so not everyone can see the cover of Hustler magazine. So you can see how this is done. It's, It's the frog in boiling water every time. They don't care, seemingly, whether they win the battles along the way. It's the inches that they gain. And when they gain that inch, they desperately hold on to it with a plan to expand that inch into a foot. And it seems to work a dream, Jason, over and over and over.
1: And again, they're not so much interested in the current generations. They're more aiming at the children. And now we've had generations who've grown up with internet access very strong, powerful internet access. So they know that it's all there. And what is that doing to society? Well, I would say it's damaging relationships and people who just want gratification over a fulfilling relationship that might last for many years, possibly a lifetime. That's getting
0: damaged, in my opinion. It warps expectation, among other things. It would be a bit like in the 70s, going to the movies and then trying to gauge the entirety of society based on movie stars that you've seen, right? It's unrealistic. But what's worse is, you know, things like pornography are every bit as addicting as drugs. And it has absolutely driven a wedge in relationships. And I would estimate uh, how young minds come to sexual maturity, how they learn about it, how they progress, and the relationships they form along the way. All of it, all of it has been sullied if pornography has been a part of it.
1: Point seven, depopulation of large cities, according to the trial run carried out by the Pol Pot regime in Cambodia. It is interesting to note that Pol Pot's genocidal plans were drawn up here in the United States by one of the Club of Rome's research foundations. It is also interesting that the committee is presently seeking to reinstate the Pol Pot butchers in Cambodia. Now, of course, this is several decades out of date, but we do know that depopulation is front and center on the minds of the bad guy controllers of this world.
0: I would estimate that if people could get an actual view of populations around just the United States, their jaw would drop. I've said it a lot of times, the train wrecks happen. We're waiting for the body count. Just the other day, I saw a clip of a woman walk into a mall in a major city. The entire mall was open. There were two stores open. And it was, it's just, it's bizarre on a level where I don't think people are even really ready to accept what that actually means. You know, Jason, on the tale of 2020 and even now in places like Britain where they openly use the term, what is it, excess deaths? I forget the term, the branded term they're using now that admits that there were so-called excess deaths. I think that the population has been drastically reduced. I don't think it's anywhere near the level they wanted because I think they wanted better than half, but if the things we have heard are true then it's not just the initial deaths that should be considered. It's at what age people will be checking out. Used to be men were, what, 74? Women were, I don't know, a few years older than that. Uh, I think it won't be long until that number is down in the 60s and headed for the basement.
1: Well, I think that's exactly it. Yeah, they'll take as many deaths as they could get with whatever plan it was that they instituted, which we know what that was. But a lot of people are now ticking time bombs, and we still see it
0: quite often in the news. Died suddenly. Well, what the heck is that? Even to talk about it is a catch-22, Jason, because the things that we might say can have an effect on someone listening who got caught in the trap, and it's a hell of a position to be in. You want to be able to say these things, but for my part, I don't want to be a cog in any wheel that furthers the diabolical plan. But we see it all the time. You know, just the other day, uh, one of my neighbors I hadn't seen in a while came up to me and informed me she had a quadruple bypass. And the conversation that followed, I don't even need to repeat. Everyone can imagine the conversation that followed. And I am up to so many people that I know directly that it is a real conundrum of what I say in front of the microphone. And most people won't comprehend what I'm saying, but the problem is saying things that exacerbate the problem for certain people. And that's really all I can say. I know it's cryptic, but that's really all I'm going to say about it. You know who I talk to occasionally, Jason, and I've been told horror stories about what was put in the common flu vaccine going back as far as the 70s. It's a hell of a thing. And I think that in the next few years, it's become very apparent that there are a lot fewer people around. And by the way, I think it's pretty common knowledge right now that people are flooding across borders in many of the so-called first world nations, and that's being allowed to happen. Well, one of the
1: main things that's in a lot of these common shots, flu shots, not talking about any of the newer stuff they've been pushing is, of course, Thermarisol, which is a mercury-based preservative. And that is why we see such a drastic rise in things like dementia and Alzheimer's. They market to these people to take these things year after year after year, and you just can't get away from it. You walk into a Walmart and you see them pushing a flu shot. You go near a CVS, a Walgreens, a Rite Aid. They're pushing flu shots you don't need a flu shot. Even if the technology wasn't trying to kill you or harm you in some way, shape or form, it's literally a shot in the dark, throwing a dart at a dartboard and picking some strain that they're saying, okay, that's going to be the flu next year. This is what we're going
0: to mass produce. It's all bunk. What if it's not even that? What if some of our guests have been right and that it's electromagnetic? By the way, one of our past guests contacted me, I don't know, a few months ago, uh, still working or trying to continue to work in the medical industry informed me there was a staff meeting where it was rolled out that every year starting this year there would be a COVID vaccine in addition to the flu vaccine. A couple of episodes ago I told the story where I had to go into a CVS and I saw a young, a young woman with her mother and they were getting the shot. And I was just sitting there beside myself and I began to realize that this is happening. You know, this is happening and there will be a dead reckoning. And those of us that manage to tread water will be all right, I guess. We'll be on the other side, but there are going to be a hell of a lot that don't. And that's just the facts at this point. This is happening.
1: And we should be able to get point eight in for our one, which is the suppression of all scientific development, except for those deemed beneficial by the committee. Especially targeted is nuclear energy for peaceful purposes. Particularly hated are the fusion experiments presently being scorned and ridiculed by the committee and its jackals of the press. Development of the fusion torch would blow the committee's conception of limited natural resources right out of the window. A fusion torch, properly used, could create unlimited, untapped natural resources from the most ordinary substances. Fusion torch uses are legion and would benefit mankind in a manner which is, as yet, not even remotely comprehended by
0: the public. So this is where we are, where it's like, it's almost like the tortoise and the hare race, right? The bad guys being the tortoise. So it's flipped around in the example I'm using Free energy, we are on the cusp of it. People have figured it out all over the place. They've been figuring it out, except now we have information systems. Ideas back in the day, like fusion, were what Coleman looked at. But we know damn well we can harvest energy from the air around us at this point. Now, it's a race. If that became called common knowledge, it would absolutely undermine this. Everything is limited idea uh, that is being espoused by those who want to take over the world. In the long run, as we wrap up hour one, I'm going to say what I always say. In the long run, this world is going to be on a new direction that is beautiful and amazing on levels we can't currently imagine. The truth is, all of us alive here, we're at the change point. Human beings do not like change, and it certainly does not help when the change is being fostered and forced forward by people who want power above power that's ever been known. All is not lost here by a long shot. I'll say it again. The best laid plans of mice and men. Can you imagine having a goal to take over the whole world, all the things that could go wrong? My point here is for those of us that know how to get back to truth, which is proven in the natural world, for those of us that recognize the absolute paramount importance of a spiritual life it is among the most important things a human being can endeavor. It has been argued that that is the reason we are here, that we must spiritually advance. It has been argued that we continue to get recycled and retested in one way or another until we spiritually advance. I can't speak to that, but I can state outright, that I have seen that idea expressed by enough cultures over long periods of time where they have no contact with one another, that I don't think it's an idea that should be so easily dismissed. And what did we open with? These people that want to run our world, they're attacking religious traditions. That's the spiritual life. With that, Jason, I think we're there. Do you want to add anything into hour one?
1: So we've only gone through eight out of the 20 points that Dr. Coleman laid down in his book about the push to have a one world government. And we now have the benefit of several decades of hindsight. And we can see that a lot of these things have indeed come a long way or have been fully implemented. Now, he didn't get everything totally correct, but that doesn't mean that they didn't want those things and didn't make an effort for those things to happen. And as we go through this, we're going to see that there are more horrible things that they definitely wanted to happen and still want to happen, even though their plans might have been pushed slightly into the future, they're still going to go for this stuff, and they are going for this stuff. We see it all around us every day.
0: You know, they they outlined some of their big plans in the movie The Matrix. Do you remember when uh, Smith informs Morpheus that they've recognized what human beings actually are? They're a virus, right? Um, they just do all these horrible things. Well. I got news. I got big news. Um, We don't have to be viruses. We can do what's right. We can have a spiritual life that we adhere to as if our life depended on it. We can appreciate the natural world and do the things that we know are correct. And I'll ask a simple question. Is this place we call the world alive? I accept that it is. If it is, and I am correct, Do you suppose that a living thing of this magnitude at some point recognizes a sickness and then deals with it? Well, from my point of view, the parasites are pretty clear. It's not us. Some of us have become parasitic, but we haven't been given much choice. We would much prefer to be drawing on natural energy, but we've been forced in to sucking the lifeblood out of the planet so we can run our cars. That was decisions we could not make. My point here is, is I suspect that if you adhere to a spiritual component in your life and you adhere to doing the things you know in your heart to be true and correct, that you'll probably do okay. Is there going to come a part a point when this world rids itself of disease? I think that's quite likely. And actually, even though I know that things like harp can create earthquakes and other things, if I started to see earthquakes everywhere and all kinds of so-called natural upheavals, I would be considering, is this the earth cleaning disease off its surface? Anyhow, these are the thoughts that I will offer as we close up hour one. Hour one is free to everybody at crow 77 radio.com members know to log in for the full episode. They can go to all the forums. They can make forums, comments, and they get free access to the two hour film called shoot the moon. And there are so many basically unexplainable things that I managed to shoot over the years that I did, uh, shoot through telescopes and through high-end cameras with that. I will say one more time. We have to do this right now. It's happening. There's, As far as I can see, there's no way out of this. We've got to do what we're about to do. But on the other side of it, I don't believe the world was made to be the plaything of some privileged individuals who managed to amass power. I just don't. And I think there is a golden future sometime in front of us. Also, on hour two, I'm going to take a minute to break down the corporate structure of basically the self-proclaimed olympians uh what's interesting about this is jason and i made well i made a phone call based on a request from jason and i asked for a series of names completely independent from any knowledge of what this book has to say and we were given a handful that are a spot-on match later on i verified that the corporate structure is as he wrote it supposedly so we'll do that an hour or two with that in mind Uh, we're going to prep up for hour two and I hope to see everyone logged in as a member. And I would like to wish you all a happy, healthy and higher minded new era. Cheers.